Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to listen to a conversation that I had with Dr. Justin Benna, who is um, who, who wrote this really, really great article. It's his dissertation topic on foundations of superintendent trustworthiness. That actually, it's it's really studying the trust between the superintendent and principal, which, as he describes, is rare as a topic to be studied and. One of our members is the one who pushed me to reach out to Justin. I talked with Justin and thought he is the guy that needs to come and have this conversation because it's such a relevant topic. And I thought I thought he was awesome. After the show, he and I were chatting. He, Chris and I were chatting and he almost seemed a bit nervous like he was too academic or something, you know, too quote nerdy. And uh, I, he was not. You're going to see. This is a great conversation. Chris, would you agree? I mean, where do you stand on as as a producer and a listener to what our, to our no, discussion? Honestly, I mean, he was he, he came across very well-mannered, very uh, well-informed and well-educated. I mean, any sort of struggle he had was definitely eternal, uh poor guy, but no, he did I thought his I thought he was really great. Yeah, Justin Justin really nailed it. And if you are a principal or superintendent or anything in between, you're going to see this is a relevant topic because trust is so important, not easy to achieve, but his study and his advice was so pragmatic and helpful. I thought, uh, I think you're going to love it. So, um, Chris, any final words or should, are we ready to listen to Justin? I didn't know there was a lack of research uh, on the relationship between superintendents and principals. I would have thought that would have been a very well-documented sort of thing because that's very important especially when you you know for a superintendent that has a lot underneath them so anyway it, true any sort of system right yeah you, you want to look at the head that, of a system versus yeah. the head of a school i mean that's a big that's those a are those huge are huge connection yeah. Yeah. yeah so i agree i was surprised too but but hey i'm glad it's being done totally so. he filled the gap <laughs> yeah he filled the gap so <laughs> right. ladies and gentlemen justin enjoy Ladies and gentlemen, educators, leaders, welcome to Leader Chat. I'm Jeff Rose. If you are members of our Leadership Circle, you are either watching this at 11 a.m. Eastern Time when we air it. You're potentially watching the recording that we send to you and understanding that we're building content on your behalf because, sadly, you may not have time to do the, the reading and the researching and so forth that you would like to. So our job is to bring you this very kind of pragmatic way to learn and, and, and grow. And for those that are listening to our podcast, which we make publicly available, welcome. So today is, a, is an extremely relevant topic, as you're going to see. Let me tell you how this came to be. One of our facilitators, one of our members, reached out to me and asked me if I had read this particular article, and they sent me the link. I had not. Um, so I read it, and the person who reached out to me, the perspective was, you got to get this guy on. This is really interesting. So the fact is, it was really focused, and you'll see it's based upon the trustworthiness of a superintendent, and mostly the, the trust that's built or not built from principal to superintendent, and talking about some of the nuance of that trustworthiness 
I was enthralled for obvious reasons, and you're going to hear all about it in our discussion today. So without further ado, let me read uh, a very short, shortened version of our guest's bio. Uh, Dr. Justin Benna is an assistant professor of practice in the, in the School of Education at North Dakota State University, where he teaches courses for aspiring and practicing school leaders. He arrived to NDSU after serving elementary schools for nearly three decades as a teacher and a principal. His research focuses on the relationship aspects of school life, new principal mentoring, and the efficacy of learning and teaching in educational leadership with publications in such journals as the Journal of School Leadership and the AAA. AASA, Journal of Scholarship and Practice. He is actively involved and uh, presents at the scholarship um, at both state and national level professional and academic associations. He holds degrees from Wartburg College, I hope I said that right, Iowa State University, and the University of New Hampshire. Without further ado, I want to invite Justin to chat with me. And Justin, I'm sitting in North Dakota as I sit in Atlanta. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jeff. I'm doing great. It's it's a del it's it's an honor and a delight to be here, and I'm and I'm so happy uh, that you're interested in uh, the work that I did and the the stories and insights those um, study participants and I uh, offer to to school leaders. Well, it was it was interesting. So I had, like I said. I did not find your article. Somebody found it and reached out to me. And that's actually the way we we like to find our content isn't to line things up for the year. We like mm -hmm. it to be somewhat organic based upon, you know, very relevant topics, especially to the members that we serve. Yeah. But then after chatting with you, I thought, oh, this is this is going to be good. And then you sent me um, the paper, which you actually did try to do some highlighting on my behalf. Thank you very much. I ended up marking the H-E double hockey sticks out of it myself, <laughs> called Foundations of Superintendent Trustworthiness, Perspectives of Elementary School Principals. I was an elementary school principal, as were you. And so I was already interested. And I've been a superintendent a few times, so I was doubly interested. So this research and what you know, kind of what you talk about, was just enthralling for me. And I know it's important to other people because we work for superintendents, or we are superintendents, worried about whether there is trust in our district, in our communities, and so forth. So this this content was perfect, and I read your bio. This much of it. I missed a bunch. Maybe fill us in. I tell help our listeners uh, get to know you better. I didn't. I didn't. Wasn't trying to cover your life story, but feel free to uncover what you think would be important, so yeah. that people know the perspective you bring. Yep. Yep. So uh, I'm an Iowa farm kid originally, and uh, was inspired by my own experiences and a couple of really amazing teachers to uh, take educational as a, my path profession. Um, started teaching third graders in North Kansas City, Missouri, and absolutely loved it. I had a chance to work there in, uh, in elementary schools as a teacher in West Des Moines, Iowa. It was it was there that I'd worked with uh, principal Dr. Nancy Warner, who 
was really doing some amazing stuff in her leadership. She was a pioneer in, in tons of different ways. And, you know, and as much as I was working hard at making a difference for kids within the context of our classroom, um, I really could sense and, and see how she was building and nurturing a school as a leader. And so that was that was sort of my impetus to, to tinker with notions of school level leadership. Um, I spent 18 years as an elementary school principal in, in three different places, um, all kind of rural um, I, by, by nature. Each of the districts had about a, a thousand kids. However, my own experiences are, you know, really point to the fact that rural places aren't monolithic. And so um, contextually, I led a school uh, as small as 114 kids, and that was like physically in the middle of a cornfield. Um, I also <laughs> was the principal of a, a much larger elementary school. We had about 500 kids. Um, and that school, I, I, was, I was leading half the school district. And so um, those, those kinds of dynamics and contextual features, I think really play out, um, certainly not only in the kinds of ways that people enact school level leadership, but also ways in which interdependencies between uh, school level leaders and district level leaders, superintendents in particular, play out. So, um, those those are things that that um, led me to my doc work, um, uh, and so that's yeah, that's that. I suppose that's a good start. Well, it is a good start, but let's let's think about this. Eighteen years as a as an yeah. elementary school principal—that's a pretty good run, right? Yeah. And yeah. as you yeah. described um, really well, that. Um, there is this really important nuance to the work that's very contextual, right? So sometimes you can't just say uh, rural and have people understand it, right? There's um, there's just a lot of factors that go into describing maybe the strategy or sometimes even the politics of the work. Yes. But what what promoted you, I mean, after 18 years, to doing what you're doing now and some of the research, maybe – Maybe just kind of uncover a little bit about like your why to what you're studying and what you're communicating. Sure. So, so I guess I'll start with um, I, I'll, I'll start with the professional path, um, and then we can circle back around to the research sure. since that's sort of like the focus of our conversation today. Um, so, uh, the professional path was was really kind of um, based in some experiences that I got to have um, once I finished my doctoral degree. I, I didn't anticipate that I would be a full-time faculty member, and what I had hoped was that I would have the chance to teach as an adjunct, and and it happened. And the more I taught as an adjunct, um, the more I started being intrigued by the opportunities to to do this kind of work at this stage of my life, right? Um, I, I was intrigued with the idea of being able to work with and mentor and help grow teachers like I'd been doing all along as a principal, uh, but I could do it in a kind of way where I wasn't their boss. And so entering relationships with graduate students who are aspiring to be school leaders um, by, by its nature is just a, it's a very different relationship. Um, and, you know, I'm, 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 old, I'm, I'm kind of turning into an old man, right? And like <laughs> the... It's it's if, if I've got something to offer others um, to new leaders, um, 
as, at this stage of my journey, I'm, I'm, I want to be able to do that. I was lucky enough to have a whole bunch of them in my own life. So anyway, back to, back to the, 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 the focus of the study, you know, matters of trust really had caught my attention early on as a teacher and as a principal, and you see them play out time after time, right? Like the first day of school and you had all of these kindergarten families come and dropping off their babies and leaving them with us. That's, that's, that's like emotional stuff. And people need to be tuned in to the relational nature of ways in which to support families through those processes. It's, it's the beginning of the kid's journey as a learner and, and the development or, or ongoing development and sustaining of relationships with families. So um, certainly true with um, relationships with teachers and, and with my own superintendents. Um, in, in my three different principalships, um, I worked with five different superintendents, all very different people, um, all from whom I wished, which I learned a ton, um, but certainly um, some that I would consider more trustworthy than others for a number of different reasons. So in my doc studies, you know, the folks at UNH were great. They gave me a lot of flexibility to tinker with ideas through my coursework. Um, and, and as I began really thinking more seriously about what is trust and how does it play a role in what happens in schools, uh, the literature gap just became very clear. There's been tons of really important work that's been done regarding the nature and role of trust in schools. Um, by leaps and bounds, teachers' trust in principal is the most studied trust relationship. Um, there's also been a bunch of work that's been done about, you know, uh, teachers' trust in students, students' trust in teachers, teachers' trust in other teachers. But the gap was clear with, with the relationship between and among school leaders. And so it, it seemed to be a place to leverage um, a a study that could be done in a way that might contribute to the field in ways that hadn't been done before. You know, the reading through reading through the study, what was interesting for me is that um, it 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 caused me to do a lot of reflection. It it reminded me of times in my career where I could feel a sense of trust that was established in the district. The impact that had on initiatives, efforts to support our students and families and community. And it also brought up these memories where um, things did not flow well mm -hmm. and we were challenged. And I can clearly track um, in my own head back to potentially a dilemma with the trust that was established or not established and reflect on my own practices. So um, if, if that was your intent, well done, um, it, it did that. Trust is this very small but very big word, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what I find is that people define that in a lot of ways. Right. So uh, before we kind of get into maybe a little bit more of the nitty gritty of some of your work, can you talk to us about how you define trust? I mean, for the, for the purposes of this study, what is it and how did you get to that point where you could say, this is what we're talking about when we say trust? Yeah, yeah, I think you make a really important point in terms of like the specificity of a particular relationship, um, because I think you're right, trust plays out in different kinds of ways and different things matter more depending upon the nature of the relationship one has with another. And so in thinking about um, specifically a principal's trust in a superintendent, I've kind of landed on this as, as a definition that it's that is their confidence and belief in a superintendent's intent and ability to fulfill the roles that guide, complement, and support 
the interdependent nature and shared aims of the school. Okay. It's kind of, it's, it's a mouthful. <laughs> it's, there's a lot to unpack there, but um, it, it, what it, what this definition does, I think is acknowledge both the cognitive and affective aspects to the nature of trust. Um, and, and certainly what I'm hoping that that definition does is points to the interdependency that exists between school leaders. Well, even to, even to, you know, summarize that, right? I heard the word in, in intent. And then the other one was the trust in the ability of the leader, the ability of the yeah. superintendent to see things through, to ensure that, uh, you know, potentially the right uh, strategies, uh, the right resources, the right levels of alignment would be put into place so that something that is intended actually comes to fruition. So that's how I heard it. Did I hear it correctly? You did. Okay, so in in that, um, you know, right off the bat, there was these facets um, uh, of trust. And so you described these five facets that really laid the groundwork for a lot of the other discussion and research points. So without me trying to summarize them, because I would do a, a poor job in comparison to you, can you help us with that? And then we'll kind of keep it moving from there. Sure. So um, Dr. Uh, Shannon Moran's work around trust really was both the inspiration and and like a, a constant guide for my work. Um, and for those not familiar with her work, a go find it and read it. It's important, compelling, and um, if you if if you think I'm interesting, you're going to find her really interesting. Um, and so, any at any rate, uh, Dr. Shannon Moran did her doctoral work at the Ohio State University with um, Dr. Wayne Hoy, and they and their colleagues have done tons of work around trust. And 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 she really pushed the envelope in coining a definition that's been a cornerstone for much of the research on trust in schools. And she and she defines it as one's willingness to be vulnerable to another party based on the confidence that the latter party is benevolent, reliable, competent, honest, and open. And so I'll, I'll run through and, and try and do just a nutshell um, overview of how she conceptualizes each of these facets. And then, and then I can talk, you know, a bit later about how those different things came to be in terms of the, the findings of my own study. So with benevolence, she's really, you know, she's really for referring to a sense of care and a desire to protect another from harm. Um, also with benevolence, um, she really gets after notions of a person's good intents and goodwill towards another certainly the relational and, and caring aspects of of trust. Uh, reliability for her is really about consistency and predictability. Um, competence, um, she really aligns with both knowledge and skills as it relates to things that one might be competent in. Uh, honesty is is what it sounds like. It's, it's um, truthfulness and forwardness. Um, and and for, for Dr. Shannon Morand, honesty also includes an element of authenticity um, that may be perceived or sensed, but may not be known as a factual kind of thing, right? Uh, finally, with openness, um, this is just really about how relevant information is shared or not shared. And, you know, a street level way of thinking about it is the extent to which you put stuff out there the extent to which you don't and the kind of picture that you're painting about what's happening and the extent to which that's fact based in truth or fact. 
Jess, I'm curious when you um, when you came across and started focusing on this research, these these yeah. these facets that kind of create the framework, right, of of the study in many ways. Were you able to translate that back to your experience as a practitioner and as a leader? Uh, I mean, did they speak to you because you remember being oh, a principal working for superintendents? I, I have to assume that that was also a part of it, right? We we actually lean on research that feels right for right. us. So did that have like almost this emotional connection for you? It did, you know, and one of the things Shannon Moran really talks about, and we've already referred to it so far, um, you know, that, that people think about trust based upon the nature of the particular relationship. So, and, and it can even be even further contextualized, right? So like, if I think about my own relationships with teachers and for those elementary principals out there who know and love kindergarten teachers, you're going to, it's, it's going to make a whole lot of sense to you when I say, you know, things related to benevolence are really, really important to kindergarten teachers. And at the end of the day, that's probably something that's most important to them, you know? And so contrast that with my own experience where benevolence wasn't always something that I had or expected in the superintendents that I worked with. But by golly, when I had a superintendent who demonstrated an ethic of care and consistently approached me as one caring, it certainly paved the way for us to have a relationship that developed in, in different kinds of ways. And so, you know, all of those things, you know, you can kind of play with in your own thinking and connections and memories across each of the facets. And so, you know, with, with the facets themselves, and, and this is going to circle back around to the study, though, uh, it was important to me to not um, constrain what I was what I was doing, and but more importantly, um, to help interpret and make sense of and construct with my study participants their own experiences of trust with superintendents, right? So this was certainly a place to start. It definitely sensitized me to the process, but um, I, I didn't want to limit myself to understanding trust in only these ways. You mentioned earlier that um, there there seems to have there seems to be this void in terms of a study specific to the trust of the superintendent and principals that there are in other levels right uh, principal to teacher etc. Um, I find that to be pretty interesting in that based upon my experience and I'm once again we all see this through our own lens it seems to me that's really important for so many other things that schools and, and districts do on behalf of communities, that that relationship would be really critical. So I'm curious as to why there hasn't been more effort in this area. Do you have any, did you uncover maybe the why that is the case yeah. or certain assumptions were proven accurate? I mean, why, yeah. you know, I don't get it. So so a, a couple of things come to mind, Jeff. The, the first one, and I, and I suspect it's um, one of the big reasons is that it's a tricky topic and to engage in a study where you're asking um, school leaders to be vulnerable, to really share stories in an open and honest way um, is asking a lot of them. And so uh, for me and, 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 and thankfully for the mentors who helped guide me through the process of developing a framework and, and the methods for the study, it just required a lot of whole careful attention to assuring that I was um, tuning in to the potential risks of participants by participating, right? Like 
they had a lot of control over how we went about things and how the findings were presented and, and in their contributions to, to everything that's, that's resulted in, in the dissertation and the papers. So one, I'd say a sensitive and tricky and potentially harmful topic, right? Um, the, the other thing, and this is just more nuts and bolts kind of thing, there's a lot of turnover in the superintendency. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I think about one of my participants, James, he'd been at one school for 15 years and he worked with six different superintendents. So, you know, you think broadly about building and sustaining relationships, like it, it, for him, the relationship, the, the efforts were far more important to build with people within the context of his own school, his, his teachers, his parents, his small community, um, that for better or worse, superintendents can, come and go. And um, I think that's probably true in lots of places. Yeah, I guess that uh, I, I could probably make some recommendations on some of the next studies you should focus on as it relates to trust. And it wouldn't be between necessarily that the reason soups turn over, right, is not usually because of the trust issues with um, the principles. Right. Yeah. The next point of study is right is is, uh -huh. is how trust is established or maintained with between superintendents and school boards, as you know. Right. Um, so to, let's talk about the um, the how of the study. Right. Let's mm -hmm. talk about the, the the methodology of it. So I think that's okay. really important to, because that was very clear in the study. But when we get into some of the results, how yeah. did you figure this out? That's important. I'll let, let you describe it. Sure. So I, I was really worked hard at trying to bind how the study would be. I, it was a dissertation study. And so I wanted to make sure that this was a doable project um, and uh, made some decisions about who to invite to join to me in the study as participants in ways that I thought made sense. And so um, some limit, limiting factors and, and criteria to determine uh, who to invite and, and ultimately who joined me. So I, want, I wanted to focus on elementary school principals that, you know, I'm an elementary school principal. And so these were the people that I, that, that I know it's the mm -hmm. person that I, leader that I was. Um, and, and beyond that, my experiences and, and, and data will like suggest that the kinds of shared projects between elementary school principals and superintendents are often very different than middle or high school principals. You know, in my 18 years, I didn't have to work with my superintendent to navigate an expulsion hearing. That just didn't happen. Um, and so that's an extreme example, but hopefully points to what might be some significant differences in what happens in building level leadership across the levels. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, focused on public elementary schools, um, because um, anything beyond that comes comes with some contextual features that A, I'm not familiar with, and B, I wasn't terribly interested in for the purpose of the study. Um, wanted people um, who had worked with more than one superintendent as their direct supervisor um, so that they had a breadth of experiences to draw from and that not everything that they had to share about trust in the relationship was focused on one particular relationship. Um, and so with that, I realized I just need to clarify another piece of it too. Um, 
the and and this is really important for everybody to know that um, the superintendents that I refer to in this work are the principal's direct supervisor. And so I didn't include any uh, principals who were part of some much bigger school districts where there are multiple district level administrators that might mitigate some of the things that happen between the superintendent and her, his leadership um, and the building level principal. So, you know, that said, I think there might be some implications for anybody who supervises um, principals with, with the caveat that um, Certainly, anytime you add more middle people to the mix, um, things become a lot more complicated. Um, so then we we did uh, uh, three uh, three separate interviews um, with each of them. I used Seidman's phenomenological um, plan for for inquiry, um, and so it really focused in on their life as principals, their leadership, um, then some particular experiences with the construct of interest. Um, and then a final interview where we really did a lot more reflecting about what had been shared thus far, what some of the emergent findings were, um, and uh, opportunities to, to clarify and contribute. So that, that was the data collection piece of it. Um, then analysis followed um, Charmez's social constructivist uh, grounded theory, which I could talk about for hours and is going to be boring to a lot of people. So <laughs> it, it's just it's an approach that really focuses in on and requires that the researcher um, recognize that the findings that we are that we developed were ours. They're, they're not just Justin's. Right. This is the framework, the findings. This is all the work that these principles did with me and sharing their insights. For our listener who's not able to watch this video, I, I just want to yeah. say Justin started to smile as he's describing that last component, but as he's realizing that he could talk about it, but he also knows it's kind of a pretty nerdy topic and that he, was, so he would lose some audience <laughs> in that. <laughs> so um, this, when I, when my first principalship, um, Justin, my the superintendent, when he hired me, he made it very clear. He said, we are a site-based district, which means... Um, you have a great deal of responsibility as well as flexibility and autonomy to impact the school as it relates to a series of results tied to the overall kind of, you know, strategic plan of the district and school, yep. which at the time sounded wonderful to me that this was going to be kind of my school to work with our team um, to deliver results on behalf of our kids. And I, I loved that. I also realized later that that wasn't the most effective strategy, um, and it's definitely not the way I led a building by telling the teachers, look, you're an independent teacher, close your door and just be good at the work. So what I also realized when I became a superintendent is principals really, really, they wanted respect and autonomy and flexibility to meet the needs of their kids, which made terrific sense. Also. I realized if I gave tons of autonomy away, there'd be some principals frustrated because we didn't have systems and structures set up to create efficiency. Um, when it could, so I realized this is a delicate balance for a leader to come up with the, the right sense of loose and tight. I used to call it autonomy and fidelity, that it's not, it's, it's both. Right, the goal isn't all autonomy. It's not all fidelity. It's you got to come up with this tricky balance, and that's what I realized will create trust on behalf of me and principal. So, 
Um, but it led to this word competence. That's how I realized this people will deem me competent based upon me trying to find the right balance for our system. Can you talk about competence? Because that was a really important theme yeah. for me as I read it. Um, and just maybe kind of how, what, what you learned about competence as that relates to trust. Yeah. So, you know, specifically for the principles of the study, um, their, their perceptions of their superintendent's competence really was a foundational component of trust in the relationship. Uh, if a superintendent wasn't considered to be competent, uh, there was little room for, for trust to grow no matter what. They could, they, they could be golfing buddies, you know, but mm -hmm. that doesn't really mean that, they're, that, a, that a principal is going to trust uh, this, a, a superintendent they don't consider competent. But, you know, the, the, the really nice thing that emerged were to, ways to think about superintendent competency across three different kinds of domains. And the first one we describe as tactical, which is really the nuts and bolts of the position, right? Um, budgets, buildings, all of the things that, that need to happen from the perspective of these are district level responsibilities that need to happen in order to have an efficient district that's run, running. Um, it could relate to things like, you know, legal matters and navigating human resources, uh, all the kind of stuff that you might consider to be the nuts and bolts of the superintendency. Um, two other aspects of competence that emerged were an interpersonal um, competence, which really is the, the social um, context of what's happening in ways that which um, uh, superintendents are meeting and responding to others. I think that there's some connections here to Shannon Moran's work and, and her facet of benevolence. Um, finally, the one that, that stood out was intrapersonal and, or, and um, that sort of focuses on the superintendent's awareness of themselves within the context. Um, and, you know, the, my, I, I share in, in the writings um, uh, some examples. Uh, Fred, this guy was working with a superintendent who he kind of considered a hotshot who came in and, and, and he described the superintendent as a spray tan guy. Well, given the, the, the geographical location of Fred and his school, you know, the superintendent just didn't have the sense to step back and wait. Like, how are others perceiving me around here? And like a second grader called the superintendent out, out on it, right? The superintendent went to Fred and, and or the, the second grader went to Fred and said, you know, why does he look like a Dorito? So if you've got a second grader that can point to someone and say, wow, this doesn't seem to be fitting quite right. It, it should, you know, it's, it's a pretty good signal that, um, it's likely that uh, this particular person might have some trouble within uh, that community and that school system. You know, there's there, there was this something that was talked about in the study was this, this concept of shared values. And yeah. what was interesting for me about that is that um, I, I at times wrestled with that in that I thought, how is it that I could demonstrate shared values when I know we're sharing the same values as it relates to say serving students and communities. But in the meantime, job responsibilities are so different, right? So they are, they, there's not, one is not more or less, they're just different. So how is it 
that I can demonstrate shared values with other leaders in the district when my responsibilities are X and theirs are Y and vice versa. Yeah. Their dilemma on showing me when their responsibilities yeah. are different. So what is your perspective on this concept of shared values? Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, so it, you know, I really think about it as you know, what are the common denominators um, between the ways that um, leaders, whether you're a principal or a superintendent, are engaging in your work, and and for the the principles in my study, the the shared values that emerged as being critical and foundational to trust aren't terribly controversial, and really you know, in my opinion, should be at the heart of the work that all school leaders do, no matter your level of responsibility or job title. And, and the first one is simply kids first or children first, right? That there's a consistent, constant focus on students, on their well-being um, and, and considerations about how the work that we're doing as grownups is impacting their lives day to day as people and um, as learners and as future citizens. So, you know, the, in my mind, there can't be much to argue with with this notion of, of children first as, as a guiding light for everybody in, in the system. And the second piece for uh, the for all of the superintendent uh, principals in the study was really focusing in on a commitment to ongoing learning and growth. Um, and so, there's, there's a lot that could be impacted there in terms of the ways in which superintendents would express their vulnerabilities or lack of knowledge in ways that would build trust in the relationship. Um, but, but certainly but as, as a role model, demonstrating that you're constantly a learner as well and that, um, that uh, you don't end up with some authoritative knowledge that is going to be the right set of knowledge for every situation or every problem that you're going to face in a school district. You know, Justin, my, my dissertation, which is a long, long time ago, um, different topic. I remember my, my chair and committee always pushing me to, to focus, right? Make your, make it fo more focused as a, yes. how do you take that question and just narrow it and narrow it and narrow it with the concept of you want it to have very specific implications for the work. So yeah. as you think about um, your studies as it relates to this, this issue of trust, what are you hoping or what are you seeing are the implications of this concept of making sure people are aware that there are levels of trust between a superintendent and principals and there are there's a way to to focus, yeah. what do you want people to take away or what are they taking away from this? Right, so you actually kind of talked with it a bit about your own leadership as a superintendent. And I think that one of the things that's critical for superintendents is to always acknowledge that there's gotta be a balance of support and autonomy that you're um, affording to your principals. Um, and to and and to be prepared for those things to sometimes feel a little bit paradoxical, right? Like providing support is important so long as it's meeting the principal's need. When it becomes or feels directive in ways that might violate um, a principal's autonomy or own belief system, uh, then you're going to be treading into some tricky waters. Um, you know, some other key things about this, like just 
recognizing that um, as Jan, uh, one of our my, the study participants uh, referred to it as, you know, trust is always on a tightrope. You can never just assume it. And so I think that's another critical piece, right? Like I think that people in relationships, whether in professional relationships tend to fall into these patterns of like, okay, I think I've got it. We've, this is working, but um, certainly in, in school systems and life in schools, is going to present you with different problems and opportunities and challenges that you as a superintendent are going to be taking up with your principals. And, and so trust is always needs to be a matter of focus and never just assumed. Um, um, I think, you, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, the, the contextual nature of it is, is super important and it, it sort of serves as a background for, for everything in the relationship. And so, um, certainly uh, superintendents who come in with a real appreciation for the particulars of context and recognizing that it's the people there that are the experts of their context um, and how um, superintendents engage with principals and other community members in ways to help them learn about the context so that they can be making smart decisions about what to do, right? And, and beyond that, I think that, you know, this, the stories that this principals told about what they can, who they consider to be the most successful superintendents, these, these were people who uh, took time to learn and then built collect, collective visions for what was going to happen and built collective plans of action. And so that um, the action that was taken was rarely directive um, and top down or authoritative by its nature, but rather more, you know, grassroots in terms of um, utilizing the people that are there to identify what the real critical needs really are. You know, this, as you're talking, it reminded me of, um, uh, I forget what, what study it was. It was a long time ago also, but it was, um, it was about when, when a leader is effective, when they have established, you know, clear systems and uh, trust within their um, environment, that often when they're asked about how they did it, they have a hard time describing it. They, yeah. they can't tell you, well, here's my six steps that I followed in order to, you know, establish this sense of community or, or our culture. They don't, they don't know how to describe it. Um, but in your studies, have you seen any kind of pragmatic examples or, or maybe a narrative that you could describe to paint a picture on what a leader may have done in order to establish deeper senses of trust within their community or with their principles? Yeah. So a story that's coming to mind is one, um, uh, it was, it's an experience that one of the study participants, James had in with one of his superintendents who, who, and, and this is going to follow up with what I was trying to, uh, get, get a nail on that. Uh, the last little bit of talking here, but uh, a superintendent had came in and James had sent some frustrations. I mean, he was, he was a pretty autonomous guy himself, um, was pretty proud of the work that he did and the work that his school had done in putting systems in place that he believed would work well for kids. He did recognize that there were some inequities across the district in terms of um, opportunities and resources. And beyond that, he did have an appreciation for ways in which the inconsistencies across elementary buildings was having an impact on students once they arrived at a common middle school. And so um, he certainly was open to and, and knew that there needed to be some movement across um, the, the elementary schools in the district 
and he was aware that that might mean he might need to tinker with some of the systems he had in place. Uh, but what he valued about the superintendent was, first of all, she came in, he described her as a person who like knew people and took time to get to know them and basic stuff that just makes a tremendous difference. Uh, she spent time learning a whole lot and in great detail about what's happening in each of the elementary schools. And then just, just as I described earlier, um, really worked to create a collective plan. And so brought people in and helped, they, they worked on the plan together. Like what are the things that we can move towards having some greater congruence so that we're doing right by our kids, all of the kids across the district when they reach the middle school, we can expect that they've had a chance to, for example, have X, Y, and Z intervention for reading because if, Elementary schools across the district are providing all sorts of different interventions. It has implications for the scope and sequence of a reading curriculum K-12, right? So, you know, that's just an example, and uh, it's simple enough. But it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a superintendent who came in with a plan saying this is what we are going to do to ensure congruence across our elementary schools. Uh, she took the time to do to it, right? Well, like you say, there there's there is a balance, right? It's not just about um, being. Um, competent. It's also this relationship aspect, and you need yeah. you need both, right? Yeah. Um, that that kind of EQ of the leader and their ability to connect with those that they're serving. Leaders in this case is cases really clear, and and you make it clear in in the study. So um, most of our efforts in the leadership circle are actually not just providing content. Most are roundtable processes. Right, this is kind of a, a question that you know we ask. It's a traditional last question we ask our our guests. If you and I were to pretend that we're sitting around a table mm -hmm. with superintendents, principals, maybe deputy superintendents who are supervising principals for those larger systems, and you were to provide. Here's some very bottom line brass tacks advice I have, kind of like a quick elevator speech, drop the mic, pieces that you would say they should focus on as it relates to this issue of trustworthiness with each other. What would you tell them? Yeah. I'd, I'd probably have different messages for principals and superintendents. So okay. for, the, for the principals, I would just say, hey, you got to remember the superintendency is a ridiculously challenging job, right? Like it's, it is bizarre the kinds of expectations that superintendents currently face in their districts and communities for what they're doing with and for schools. So as a principal, you need to just step back and always keep that in mind. Um, beyond that, just broadly, like, you know, be open, be reflective and trust your gut when you're making your own decisions about what you're doing with and for students. And, and know that trustworthy superintendents will stand ready to support and help you along the way. Okay. Um, for for superintendents, uh, I would say here's here's the bad news, but keep it in mind. You know whether it's been a part of your experience or not, and for better or worse, principals will work with or around you, and so you you've got to know that, right? Um, you just do. So with that, then I think it's really critical that you're always open to finding a deeper understanding of the context of your district. And you've got to really lean in on the principals who have a more nuanced and deeper understanding of the context than you probably ever will, because they are doing the day to day work and they've got the street level relationships with a whole bunch of people in ways that as a superintendent, you just can't. 
So then probably most broadly, I think for superintendents is this reminder that it's okay to demonstrate your vulnerability in your role. I mean, vulnerability is like at the heart of what trust is all about. And when you are demonstrating your own vulnerability to another, whether it's something you don't know or something you can't figure out or, or whatever it might be, it's, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you're extending trust to another. And that will often be responded to in helpful ways and also reciprocated. Oh, this, I'm so glad you brought this up. I, whenever a guest brings up the V word and starts talking about vulnerability, I, I often pause and I, I just want to push on it so that people listen. I, I see Justin, you see the same thing. Um, it, uh, the challenge for leaders in education to be vulnerable based upon the fear that they will be judged if they're not proficient. And I think um, that's that's too bad. And I think, especially at times right now where it's more confusing, it's more demanding, um, it's cloudier than it's ever been. And we are heading into some really um, challenging opportunities. Challenging, but also opportunities that no one has navigated before. It's now is the time to be vulnerable, if ever, right? And so... That is such sage advice. I'm so glad that you brought that to the table as your um, you know, piece that you'd want to leave people with. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, Justin, this, is, this has been great. I'm so glad that um, Jan is her name, um, reached out and said, you got to go find this guy. Uh, I'm glad we did. I'm glad you agreed to do this. This is, uh, this is what I hope. Uh, in these discussions, and I think our members and beyond will will learn a lot through just you and I talking back and forth. So thank you so much for your work and your time today. You betcha. Thank you so much. This has been really terrific. I, I appreciate the work that you do in supporting school leaders. It's 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 needed. Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you very much, Justin. Uh, we'll be in touch, and this will not be the last time our paths cross. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, so uh, I trust is um, is so important. We talk about it all the time. It doesn't make it easy. It's complicated. Um, if it were easy, then I think we would see different results. I think that we would see better relationships. That relationship as it relates to leaders in different areas or sections of, or different kind of layers within the context of a school district or school system is really critical. And I'm so glad that Justin spent the time and energy to study that. I assume that you have learned just as much as I have through this discussion. Ladies, gentlemen, educators, leaders, be well.